How's it going? Welcome back to another episode of SoCal Watch Reviews. I am Miguel. This is episode 29. We are almost at 30. So excited about that. I got my boys P and Fred. Guys, how's it going? Yo, yo, yo. What's up, people? This is your boy P. Ross back in the building for another one. Good evening or good morning, I guess, for you guys. How's everyone doing today? Doing pretty good. I know Pete's a little tired. He was just telling us that he pulled an all-nighter at work. We had no idea, so we definitely feel bad about him, uh, you know, for, for you know, summon, we, we made the, uh, a summons over here to the to the SoCal Watch Reviews podcast, and he accepted, so. Hey, man, it's all good, man. I'm dedicated. You are dedicated. He hasn't had any sleep, so if you hear him uh, saying some things that don't make any sense, don't be too hard on him. <laughs> it's just lack of sleep, you know. It is bound to happen. Bound yeah, absolutely, to happen. man. So, so I, I want to ask something. So, what do you, what watch do you wear for an all nighter? You know, you're not going to sleep. What, what are you wearing? I have on a um, vintage 1965 Hamilton. Nice. Mm-hmm. Is it a uh, automatic? It... Automatic. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very, very cool. I love. I love your vintage collection. You you got some some really cool stuff on there. Um, so yeah, hopefully one day you can do like a state of the watch collection. I know it'll probably be like a an hour long video, if not longer, because you just got so many watches in your collection. But yeah, it'll be pretty cool. I have to do that during parts. You got to right. do it. In, it's a series. It's a series of the P watch uh, watch collection. Yeah, you you just have too many. Yeah, they go from Invicta to Casio. You know, oh. all over the damn place. Omega, Hamilton, Horace. Yeah. I mean, jeez, P. Ross is, he's got a, you, you, you don't discriminate. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I equally disperse my funds. Right. Yeah, that, that's cool, though. I mean, that's, that's something that I, I would love to see in the, in, the, in the watch community a little bit more, you know? Some, some people are just so focused on one specific type of watch or one specific type of brand. So it's cool when, when people like, like P um, do stuff like that. And honestly, I'm just going to be transparent here. When I, when I first had P on the show before he was even a part of the show, um, I was intrigued because he was a member of Watch Gang. So I, I still don't believe in that, and I think it's, it's probably – not probably, but in my opinion, it's not worth it. But the point that I'm trying to make is that I, I saw the type of collector that P was. He was the type of person that just snobbery just just didn't sit well with him. And he was that super cool, super open to any watches. And, and he just wasn't a snob. And I, it's something that, that I kind of I saw a reflection of myself. But furthermore... I saw myself as a snob because I was criticizing some of the watches that he had, like Invicta and some other like less well-known watches that Watch Gang sent. And, and he kind of set me straight. Not that he told me anything, but I just kind of realized it on myself. So I, I think it's 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 uh, commendable, P, that, that you, you're able to have an open mind and, and just kind of be cool with everything, you know? So. You know what? Thank you very much. I appreciate that, sir. Yes, sir. Fred, what are you wearing? I have my Omega Seamoss on. I just put it back on its bracelet. Mm. Back to the, back to the one that started it all. I love it. Uh, 
I love that watch, man. Hopefully one day I have the opportunity to own a, a Seamaster. I, did, I owned a vintage one, but never a, never a modern one. So it's, they'll, they'll, they'll definitely be a grail in the collection at one point. So um, today I'm just uh, wearing the Old Faithful, the Seiko Sarb 033. Um, this watch, honestly, I, I keep coming back to it. I, and I don't know why. It's just some, It's just so simple. It works. The sizing is perfect for my wrist. It's just um, what we like to call a Gata watch. Now, somebody asked, what is a Gata watch? What the heck does that mean? It's a I, go- I, I styled it. <laughs> yeah, I it's a it. I said, I, I said, go I and wait for the response. <laughs> yeah, it's go, go anywhere, do anything type of watch. So it's, it's, it's a term thrown around in the forums, and, and people kind of know what it is. So Gata it. It's a G-A-D-A, GATA, so go anywhere, do anything type of watch. So, you know, it's kind of like an everyday watch. So, yeah, I had people asking me, what, what the heck is a GATA watch? That's, that's what it is, you know. It's, it's, and it wasn't, I didn't invent it. I didn't make it up. Like I said, it's, it's out there in the internet. Just look it up. But anyways, yeah, this watch for me just, uh, it represents so much value. Uh, obviously, prices are creeping up. I know uh, Seiko's coming out with a new Sarb series, and obviously, it's probably going to be in the seven eight hundred nine hundred dollar range and to me that's a little steep for seiko um i don't know just my opinion you know and i know they want to change the the perception of or how they're perceived in the in the collector world or just in the industry as as a whole right they they hate to be the budget brand and i mean i hate it too because uh, you know seiko just represents so much value I, i uh, I don't. I don't know if we all agree because I know Fred doesn't own a Seiko, and I don't know if he's really had the opportunity to play around with many Seikos. But I mean, what you get is just crazy for the for the money, you know. Or what you used to get for the money used to be crazy. So, oh yeah, just the value in like a Seiko Five is like amazing, you know. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Yeah, like uh, from what I've seen, like the, like you know, you get what you pay for, but I don't mean that in a in a diminutive sense you know like there's, there's a certain like you're not you're not getting like anything like over the moon and in some cases you even get better value than what you expect but on the same token because they're cheap from what i've seen at least they don't punch below that weight you know and i think there's a certain memories that i personally don't have them because just they have an appeal to me and for me i'm always saving for my next watch so like all right i can either get a cheaper watch now or i can keep saving and that's one week sooner or one month sooner that I can get like the next watch that I want. Yeah, well, I, yes, I, 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 I can relate to that. I can relate to that. But honestly, I guess Seiko is just one of those brands that. Uh, so the SKX was like my first real watch, you know, quote unquote. I've said it before. The Seiko SKX Double Seven. So to me, it's just like once you get your your kind of first love, I guess, if, if you will, it's it's something special. You know what I mean? And this specific. Um, Sarf series has just been featured everywhere. YouTube channels, other podcasts, people always keep gravitating to either the Sarf 33 or this, which is a black one, or the 35, which is a white one. But there's another one that's kind of like a grail of mine, and that's a Sarf 037. I don't know if you guys seen it. it it's the same watch, but it's a salmon dial. Ooh, ooh. That's wow. a rare piece right there. It's it's highly collectible. So if I ever had the opportunity, that would be one that I would jump on all over. So how much is it going for? Oh, that's a good question. I don't I don't even know, but for sure more than uh more than uh five hundred dollars, which is kind of where the thirty 
five and and thirty three kind of sit. Um, so, but yeah, they're they're kind of rare. They're kind of rare to find. I don't know if you guys seen them. Here's one that just sold. Okay, so yeah, I'm on eBay. Seiko Sarev zero thirty seven rare pink dial. So it just sold for a thousand sixty six. So yeah, oh, these wow. are wow. yeah these are these are nice. These are very mm. nice watches. So I, I could honestly, if I had the money, I wouldn't pay a thousand bucks. Uh, for the salmon dial, I would definitely pay maybe eight hundred bucks. I mean, I, I know it's a six R fifteen movement, nothing to go too crazy about. But the finishing on these cases, I don't. I mean, no, P knows what I'm talking yeah. about, and and here's yeah. why. This is a funny funny story. I know P doesn't talk about it. So we were talking one time right about my Sarb, and I'm just so in love with this thing. And I have other watches in my collection, but this one, I gravitate towards this watch more than my Omega Speedmaster. Why I don't know, but I do. And he's, he goes, <laughs> he's like, hey, yeah, I have one in my collection, too. I'm like, how come I never see you wear it? Like, I've never seen you feature it, talk about it. He's like, because my wife took it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? Jacket. Jacket. <laughs> yeah. so, so, Fred, check this out. His wife, P's wife, wears the Sarb 033 every day. That's mm-hmm. her daily driver. Can you believe that's, that? That's it. That's very <laughs> That's it. I'm like, my girlfriend that's, thinks all my watches are way too big for her. So, I'm straight. <laughs> I'm safe. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, that's that salmon dial looks great. Yo, you saw it? You're looking at it? I'm Holy looking at it now. Smokes. Somebody won one on eBay. I'm looking at it for six hundred and ninety-six dollars. Oh wow. Well, I the reason I, I I kinda saw it again is because Uncle Seiko um uh he was bidding on it. I guess that's like one of his grails. And he purchased it and everything and the, the douchey person, whoever um he bought it from, they canceled his order. Because somebody bid more money on it, that's that's just shameful. Like you, you shouldn't be doing things like that. If you commit to sell to somebody, commit to it. Don't don't be backtracking because you got more money. So that wait I felt, wait he won the bid. Yes, and they and canceled his deal, order. They canceled it. Yes, for somebody else. Wow. Yep. Yeah, and they, he got a, a message basically just just saying, you know, I uh, thank you for ordering the item, but I have to apologize to you. Unfortunately, I just found out that I didn't have this item in my stock anymore. Uh, you know, due to the effects of the coronavirus, we have temporary induced staff, which had us, you know, mistake with the inventory, blah, blah, blah. So it's just, just a bunch of, wow. yeah, just a bunch of BS. And I'm assuming that one probably, probably came from, um, from Japan or something. But yeah, he, he basically wrote, Uncle Seiko wrote on his, on his Instagram. He said, not the message you want to receive when you finally land that grill watch. Hopefully it's not because someone else made a better offer after the listing ended, which I'm sure is probably what happened. But uh, oh, but at least he doesn't know for sure. Like at least there's still he doesn't he doesn't know for sure. But can you imagine that you go? Yeah, I mean, can you imagine that? I would be so excited if I finally found the watch that I've been looking for. I was able to afford it. I pull the trigger. I, I go to sleep at night. And then I wake up to this message. I would be super upset, especially wow. because it's not. It's not something that you could just buy. It's like you have to. I mean, you can have all the money in the world. You have to find the watch, you know? Right. That's how I thought. So, yeah. Lockdown. I ordered a bunch of groceries, like, the first day. I was like, yes, I got in early. I got enough food for me and everything. And then about four hours later, order canceled. Not taking any more. I you know, same thing happened to us. We actually, we've never shopped Costco online. We always go in person, you know, whatever. But uh, we ordered online when this whole lockdown kind of started, like week three, week two, something like that. 
and you know we had plenty of toilet paper we didn't we didn't buy a lot but we we had enough whatever but one thing we needed was eggs you know we have a little boy we have a four-year-old so we want to make sure he's fed and, and you know want boy, to parenting. yeah absolutely right. absolutely you know he, he he works out hard you know he lives do you go lift bro but anyways uh <laughs> no i'm just kidding so my wife was super excited she's like hey yeah i know if i place an order everything was in stock and so it shows well, it turns out when the guy was in the store, he's like, there is no eggs, there's no this, there's no that. There's like pretty much nothing on the list. And we were kind of freaking out because we're like, okay, this whole coronavirus, we're not so scared because we're very cautious people. So we're not scared. But what are we going to do if we if we don't have any food? I, that was a long risk check. <laughs> but uh, what, what are we talking about today? I know some controversy in the, in the watch world. Well, what's going on? Fred, go ahead, Fred. Uh, so, Basel World is dead, but the same thing is happening, just with a different name. Like, um, <laughs> so Rolex, Patek, Chopard, and Chanel all pulled out of Basel World because apparently Basel World's organizers were going to charge them like a 15% rescheduling fee or something like that. What? And um, Damn. So, so, they all pulled out and they're all going to do their own show. Uh, right at the same time or around the same time as Watches and Wonders, but they're going to be doing it in sure. Geneva. Um, still going to be essentially a trade show, so focused largely on selling to dealers. They said they're going to have a few uh, important customers and clients, i.e. loaded ones. So pretty much it's <laughs> exactly the same as Basel World, just with a different name. Like, mm. from what I've seen, they haven't really changed the biggest problem with Basel World, which was that it's just focused on selling to dealers. Um, yeah, yeah. So, it's the but same. the difference is they they they're going to control things a little bit. Yeah, well, like, not a little bit. Now they're going to control things, right? They're not going to have somebody else dictating what they do or can't do or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know how much say or lack of say they had in before. I always imagined that the Rolex protect Basel World thing was a bit like Ferrari's influence in Formula One. It's like, yeah, they're not running it, but they kind of are, uh, but evidently not. Um, but yeah, I think at least the more optimistic side is at least by removing one level of bureaucracy, at least now there's more hope that they can adapt and at least change a little bit faster in the future to eventually get to, you know, joining the 21st century. Mm. Well, I will, I, it would be interesting to see if they're going to have expensive sausages, because that's all I kept hearing from people, that they charge 50, 60 francs for like a sausage or something. Huh? Uh, yeah, sausage. Yo, I think <laughs> sausage yeah, like to eat. Jack was talking a lot about the sausages. Yeah, I don't know why, but uh, but yeah, this is Basel World was just. I mean, it, 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 I guess it's sentimental, right? I was listening to the Hodinky uh, podcast. Yes, I listen to other people's podcasts. Uh, I know people don't. Other podcasters don't listen to us. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm sure they do. Anyways, um, and, and yeah, they were talking about it. Obviously, those guys are in the industry and they've been to Basel World and they have communication with, with companies. So they knew a lot about it. And it was just interesting that they were just so amazed that Rolex is kind of participating with other brands. They're like, Rolex always kind of does their own thing and they're their own little world to, to see them kind of participate and, and be a part of, of different things with other people. It's, it's, uh, it's interesting. It's different. They're like, it's just, it's just too much going on. Coronavirus, lockdowns, now this is just... It's insane. So, but wouldn't it like for Rolex attract more people since they do and are working with like Patek and Chopper and 
all these guys. You know what I mean? I think it'll be the yeah. same, largely for them. I mean, the reality is that Rolex doesn't actually need a show to bring any noise to its releases. Um, that's like the irony of the whole thing is that, let's face it, Rolex could do this on their own, manage their own independent thing. They could do launches online. But Rolex being Rolex, they're not exactly the uh, the harbinger of change, as evidenced by this. You know, they're doing kind of the same thing that they were doing before, just a little bit has changed behind the scenes, essentially. At least that's from what I understand so far. I mean, at this stage, everything's still very early. There's still so much time between, like, it's a year away. It's going to be in April next year. So there's still plenty of that time for them to re- refine the formula. And at the end of the day, Rolex is always going to do what works for Rolex. So, right. So, so does any of these brands really need this? You think, do you think like Patek can go out and do their own online thing and be fine? Or, I think big brands like Patek, like Rolex, <clears throat> Tudor, uh, Chopard, I think, could still benefit from this. Um, Chanel as well. I mean, like, obviously, there's benefit for things like Chopard and Chanel in terms of marketing overall and also getting into dealers. But let's face it, Rolex and Patek, like, marketing-wise, for a while, they can just operate on autopilot if they wanted to. They wouldn't need things like this, you know, like Rolex doesn't even need to put out new models if they wanted to, because their models are already selling themselves. And that's demonstrated by the fact that so far it's looking like they're not even going to release new models this year, albeit on the excuse of because Baselworld is canceled. Um, but they wouldn't have to, you know, they wouldn't. I don't think they'd lose very many sales, if any, by not releasing for a year, for example. Hmm. So I think it's all relative but on the same token. I guess they don't want to completely back out because they're conscious that while for now they sell themselves, maybe later they'll need to, which does make some sense. Well, we'll see what happens this year, right? I mean, they're definitely, um, uh, they're not releasing anything this, this year. And so I'm pretty sure it's not going to happen. And Tudor, right? Tudor, them, uh, Patek, I don't think they're releasing anything this year. Yeah, so. that's seemingly where it is i think but they use language like postpone which still leaves like a little bit of doubt that oh maybe they will but um my guess is yeah i don't think they're gonna release anything this year and i don't think they're gonna suffer for it now if they want a few now, years without, that'll be another story yeah well here's my thing and excuse my ignorance everybody listening because i i should have done a little more research but so basil world going away maybe it's not going to affect the brand so much because they're going to do their own thing. What I am worried about, or not worried because I don't know these people, what I'm thinking about is the actual town. What's going to happen with tourism? What's going to happen with a lot of industries there? Um, do you know where the show is going to be held? It's, it's not going to be held in the same city, right? It's going to be somewhere else. So how does that affect that town? Uh, you know? It's going to be held in Geneva, which I guess that's something that's favorable for Rolex and favorable for the people who do have to go. Cause obviously Geneva is a more major city than Basel in relative terms. Mm-hmm. Um, how it affects Basel, obviously. Yeah. It'll, it's, you know, one period less where they have an influx of tourism. So hotels, restaurants and stuff like that will be affected. Um, I'm not sure how much I, if I'm honest, I don't know enough about the Swiss tourism to know what else drives tourism for a specific cities. I just know the Geneva Auto Show happens in Geneva in March. So Geneva is going to have a great first quarter or first four months. Mm, so I guess it's kind of safe to say that Basel, their biggest thing was Basel World. 
every year. Yeah. Okay. At least as far as I know. Okay. For all I know, there's yeah. a lot of things that happen there. Um, and I'm sure they also have other industries to sort of prop up. I don't right. think the city's going to die by any chance. That's interesting. Yeah, I just did a quick Google search, and basically, uh, Basel from Geneva is about two and a half hours away. So it's not, it's not like five minutes away. Mm. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I think it's definitely gonna gonna affect Basel again. I don't know if there's any other major shows there, but I would imagine it's definitely gonna affect them. You know what I mean? So, uh, so yeah, I feel bad for the people there. Like like Fred said, every all the all the local restaurants and the hotels and maybe people to rent cars and you know prostitution what whatever right. you know uh it's gonna be it's gonna be affected it's gonna be affected but uh does it affect us no uh, i don't care you know we have the internet as long as we're able to see what the releases are i could really care less you know what i mean so what about all the other brands that roll i mean uh basil world how's it gonna affect them i think them it'll affect especially the smaller ones because this was you know for brands that don't have the budget to fly out reps to you know distributors all around the world this is then normally their way of like showing off their catalog making their sales apparently a lot of the industry used to you know take their big orders at these big trade shows and that would sort of set them up for the year so definitely brands i think are the ones who are going to suffer the most specifically the smaller brands mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, also, we forgot to mention that the whole LVMH uh, group has announced that, uh, that basically Bulgari, Tag Foyer, Hublot, Senet, they're leaving Basketball as well. Mm. So. That doesn't surprise me. I mean, like the fact that they did their, um, they launched nearly all of their new models in January. In Dubai, right? In Dubai. Was it in January yeah. or February? Beginning of the year, anyway. Um, they launched all their new models and then, and then like from from there, People were saying, oh, you know, they might leave Battle World this year. In my mind, they had already made up their minds when <laughs> yeah. two months before the main event, you know? Yeah, it was January, by the uh, way. January. So it was Dubai week. Yeah. Dubai yeah. week, yeah. It, it's, it's just interesting. To me, maybe what's going to be different is people like publications, right? Uh, Warn and Wound and Houdinki and Blog to Watch and all these people. If everybody starts having their own little shows, it's going to be a little harder for them to maybe gauge that as opposed to everybody just being under one roof and putting out a release and it's a little easier to just meet with people maybe uh but as far as everything else i mean i think as long as we have the internet it's going to be okay it'll be interesting to see though what rolex does and i don't know how you guys feel about rolex uh i guess as a company not so much their watches because i think we could all agree that their watches are amazing i love their designs and their quality build and everything but as a company i just and i might be wrong people are probably gonna hate on me but i just feel like rolex is like a bully you know he's like the big bully in the playground and all the little brands are kind of you know they want to be rolex but at the same time they're kind of scared of rolex you know so how do you guys feel uh, towards Rolex, I guess as a company, not so much the watches, but as a company. I mean, my thing is like a, a bully can only get as far as you let him. You know what I mean? Somebody else got to stand up. You know what I mean? Um, I think people need to make the distinction between Rolex as a company and Rolex from the consumer side. Because, for example, this stuff with like wait lists and all that. Half of that, if not more, is down to the ADs selling Rolex. It's not Rolex telling people, hey, you know, you can't sell this watch. Or, hey, put this watch in the safe so you get a better client so you can sell them 
a gold date just at the same time. Like, I. But they could control that, though. I mean, if if Rolex knows that's happening, because everybody knows that's happening, you don't think so. Okay, I'm Rolex, and Fred, you're my AD, and P, you're my AD, and I get wind that you guys are doing that. You're putting watches in the safe and everything. You think that's not gonna piss me off and tell you, hey. You shouldn't be doing that. And if I get wind that you're doing that, you're gonna be you're gonna be cut off. The eighties would completely, you know, run the other the way and sell these watches. So. I think at the end of the day, Rolex recognizes that they benefit from it because they do. Keeps, they do. At the end of the day, the ads keep keep buying from them. The ads still move the stock. Rolex controls the supply enough to make sure that its brand doesn't get devalued. So even when ADs do closeouts on like, you know, gold pieces and pearl masters and stuff like that, Rolex still makes sure there's not enough of them out there for it to be a problem for them. You know, Rolex do this out of this practice. Annoying me. But they don't. And on the same token, Rolex in general as a brand has always been about inaction and about sort of taking its time to do things that it's facing it's worked out for it. You know, we need to remember that at the end of the day they're they're a business, and if if we expect change, then it has to be something that has to come from the consumer side. If it doesn't affect their bottom line, they have little incentive to change, especially when. Well, let me ask. <laughs> let me ask you this, then, or ask. I'm you not guys saying it's this. correct. I'm just I'm just explaining the rationale behind it. Right. Well, do you guys think then? That this whole, you know, scarcity and, oh, I can't get them and they're not producing enough. Do you think that's all BS? Do you think it was manufactured? Do you think it was... was... I think it's total bullshit. There's no scarcity of Rolexes. You go on Chrono, you can find thousands of them. There's only scarcity of Rolexes at retail because people have bought them with the intention of flipping them. Like, Rolex makes what? I think it's about a million watches a year. You know, like so. What there are micro brands that are more scarce than that? <laughs> but how many of them millions? So how many of them millions are uh, pieces that people actually want, though? Quite a few, I would you imagine. Know? Like, to give you an idea. Uh, give you an idea. Uh, just going on Chrono right now. There's 668 hooks for sale. Mm. Right now. Okay. If we do, uh, we'll do the Rolex Batman, the current one or the old one? Uh, current. current. Uh, let's let's do the the background. Two, six, seven, ten. B L N R. Four hundred and sixty-two. Mm. And that's on and that's on a model that was released a year ago. So here's here's the thing. Uh, let's let's jump into something a little different. So uh, a few months ago, you couldn't get these things brand new, right? I'm I'm on Chrono Twenty Four right now. This is April 19, twenty twenty, and basically I'm seeing one, two, three brand new watches, box and papers. And this is the Bad Girl. This is a version two, the BNLR, whatever, 126, 126710 BLNR. Uh, and they're selling for 13000 Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but a few months ago, these things were selling for like 20 grand, 19 grand. Yeah. Right? So does the coronavirus now, let's, let's jump into that, has it affected 
prices for Rolex is is is, is, a, is a is a is a bubble burst? Has it burst? It's, is it gonna it burst? burst? Was there a bubble? It's leaking. But also, this is demonstrating so, that there isn't a lot of substance behind these premiums because this was selling for more, not just because there wasn't the the coronavirus going on. It was selling for more just because it was new. Like it, this is what happens when value departs too much from tangible value or from inherent value. At the end of the day, this watch should be worth what Rolex deems it's worth. Because most things... So, which is, what, $9,000? Yeah, nine or $10,000. So, like, this is all just hype. This is the hype markup. You know? At, at the end of the day, if Rolex decides to hike up its prices, and they eventually met with the hype is, eventually you start seeing diminishing returns, eventually they would start depreciating from retail. But this is what hype is. My guess is that they'll still always sell for above this, but I think that margin is going to be smaller and smaller, especially after this, after, uh, you know, Corona, because a lot of the smaller secondhand dealers are just moving them quickly because they need the money because people aren't buying as much. Mm. Well, okay. So let's talk about that. So this, this whole pandemic is affecting a lot of small businesses right so for sure and i, I think we could all agree micro brands a lot of micro brands are going to suffer and they're oh, going to yeah. disappear however how is this going to affect the big guys the omegas the rolex the pateks obviously omegas with the swatch groups a little different uh, deep 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 pockets but how do you think this is going to affect them do you think um after the quarantines are lifted and everything is back to normal, quote unquote, um, we're in a recession now. And the recession is not, it's not we're not going to get out of it right away. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take a while. So the watch industry, nobody's buying luxury items right now. I mean, I, some people are, if you have money. But for the most part, we just want to keep uh, food on the table and the roof over our head, right? So in your opinion, what do you think about luxury watches? Do you think they're going to they're gonna take a bigger hit? Are we going to do a podcast in four weeks and say, hey, remember we talked about the Rolex Batman? It was 13 grand. Guess what? Now it's 10. Do you guys think that's going to happen? Or do you think this is, this is as, as low as this is going to go? Or I don't it's going know. To continue I kind of think lower? that uh, it's not going to affect the big brands only because uh, people who actually buy luxury goods and luxury watches actually have the money and they're not hurting from this. Uh, yeah, the rich right. still stay rich, right? In these circumstances, let's let's say wealthy because you can't get okay. rid of wealth. All right, no matter what you do, you can't That's get true. rid of wealth. So, like people like that, they're gonna continue to buy and buy and buy, and they looking at this little uh, price uh, bubble or whatever you want to call it. They looking at it like, damn shit, we finna get in on this right now because as soon as it come back, that market gonna skyrocket. Well, that, that was my next question because I, I hate to look at watches as investments because everything in my collection is lower end and I don't have anything that's worth anything. Um, but just like with the real estate market, at, at least here in, in the United States, I can't speak for the rest of the world. But when we had the recession a few years ago and everything kind of went down, a lot of people, a lot of a lot of people became millionaires because of that. They, they invested in properties that were super low. People foreclosed, they short sell, whatever. And they made tons and tons and tons of money. Do you guys think that the coronavirus is yes. going to make millionaires? 
Oh, in the watch space, not in the real estate space. In, in the watch no. space, I don't think. No, the drop isn't going to be so significant on. Like you got to think of the drop and the bounce back, right? So, the drop, for example, is going to be very big on things like fifty-seven elevens because they elevated to such, and it, they were selling at three X list. I think fifty-seven right. elevens were selling for around seventy grand, and list is I think twenty-five thirty. Mm-hmm. That is going, you know, if that drops down to say thirty-five, forty, it's not going to hit seventy again. So that's why I said like, I don't think this bubble is bursting. It's just leaking and somewhat coming down to earth. Um, so I don't think the drops are going to be so significant that people are going to make insane money on them. It's not like it was with the housing crisis where you would have houses that maybe were like, I don't know, $100,000 or $50,000 selling for $20,000. Like, I remember around 2010, 2011, I was on a flight with someone who told me they picked up like a five or six bedroom house for under 20 grand because it was in mm, What? Yeah, it was crazy. What was it, Detroit, Michigan? <laughs> uh, I don't remember where. No offense, no offense on everybody in Michigan. I'm just, I'm just being realistic. I don't remember where it was a long time ago. But like, but like I said, like at that point, the crashes were so hard. But that's also because right. there was an insane amount of supply versus demand at the time. With this, you know, the supply, like I said, I think the pl- the pricing is just going to come back to come back to earth on what the supply is. Yeah. Okay. Well, cool. Yeah, I, I, I feel the same way. I don't think people are going to become millionaires out of this, but anybody that has money right now to pick up some of these things now's uh, a good time to get a good, good idea. Deal. Now's a good time. Now's, now's a good time, time to so get a good deal. That because now of coronavirus, that after this is all said and done, and the economy gets back right, do you think that these prices will stay where they at? Would they get higher or lower? I think they'll have a I, bit of bounce back, but not. Huge. I don't think. I don't. I don't think they're gonna be back to where they were at one point. I don't think the Batman's gonna be worth nineteen thousand dollars again, in my opinion. But it could definitely have the potential to go back to maybe fifteen, sixteen. I'm just using that as an example, but. Yeah, it's definitely going to go back up because once people pick up and, and just kind of do their normal life, uh, you know, again, people people forget. You guys need to realize that or, or know that, that we could go through the worst pandemic. We could go through, you know, ISIS attacking us and, and whatever. And uh, and people forget, you know, we're united, we're, we're strong and this and that and everybody's crying. And then a little time goes by and everybody forgets, unfortunately. You know what I mean? So with that said, people go back to normal. They're going to go back to the old ways. Right. You know what I mean? So and also I don't think they're going to be worse. People are going to want nice stuff after going through this. At the end of the day, sometimes. Oh, absolutely. Retail therapy. Absolutely. People want to buy nice stuff to sort of recover from this. I mean, I'm not obviously, I'm not talking about people who are, you know, like scraping for food. But when you talk for like, you know, middle class and obviously people who are wealthier, you know, like when they get back on their feet, they're gonna be like, you know what? I went through this. You know, I deserve something nice. Type of thing. You know? Yeah. You know who's gonna benefit from all this when we come out of here, out of, out of this whole re- not recession, pandemic, and and quarantine and everything? Mm-hmm. Hairdressers. And I'm not kidding. It might sound like a joke, but I'm serious. Barbers, especially hairdressers girls be their roots are looking horrible right <laughs> absolutely. now. Right? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> their eyebrows, their 
they're gonna go. They're gonna anything and everything. Beauty it's gonna be a premium on a fade. Booming. It's gonna be a premium. So if you're a hairdresser listening to this, be ready. You're gonna have a wait list, and 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 you could inflate your prices. You'll be the next rolling mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. industry. <laughs> oh, you want a haircut? Oh, that'll be a hundred and twenty dollars. that's one hell of a haircut, boy. Yeah. Sure. That's funny. But anyways, Fred, let me ask you something since you're our resident luxury expert here. Um, do you think Rolex will ever sell online? Uh, I don't want to say never say never, but I will say they'll probably be some among the last to do so. And if they do, okay. I think they'll start okay. with Tudor. Hmm. That's, that's a great point. That's a great point. Pete, uh, what definitely. do you think? They'll be the last of the last if not the last. So, I mean, Patek I mean, is already halfway so, selling online by letting its ADs do it. So that already tells you they're going to be last. <laughs> so how is it then? I, I want to know, and I'm not an economist or, or whatever, but what I want to know is how does a company then not get with the times survive? Do, does their product, is their product so good that they can literally be so antiquated and people nah, just don't uh, care i mean at the end of the day when you look a, at a it, lot of times people don't change because they don't have to and, yeah. and rolex don't change because they don't have to they know they got a product and they know people want it and it's gonna say regardless of how they gotta get it you know and also you gotta remember that rolex is technically a non-profit it doesn't have shareholders that line their pockets when revenues go up so that affects the pace as well. Right. You know, it's very different when you have pressure from um, from shareholders that are like, no, I want my right. nest egg to give me more money or yeah. no, we need our stock to go up. And with that like, being said, they ain't got to worry about it when it go down. Yeah. And also, you got to remember, this is this entire hobby is based around an antiquated technology. Right. Like, watches are so beyond obsolete. It stands to reason. Antiquated hobby antiquated tactics we're all living in we're all living in like what the 70s 60s thereabouts right that was the last time the watches were like somewhat on par with technology like you know like and that's if you look at it from that perspective it makes a lot of sense as to why there's resistance to change and why the market works around the old ways because the product itself is the old way Well, then that, that will kind of lead me to believe or, or lead me to, to speak of if everything is so antiquated, why do we still wear watches and take it even further? Why do we wear expensive watches? Or why would somebody be willing to spend 70, 100, 200 million dollars, whatever, on a watch when, like you said, it's an antiquated um, product? To me, in my opinion, it's art, you know, so it's very subjective. It's like, well, what is this? What is this worth to you? Is this is this worth something to you? Number one, does it speak to you in the sense of of how it looks? Right? Do you are you in love with the way that it looks? That's very important. And furthermore, how much more are you willing to pay for that hand finishing? How much more are you willing to pay if it's cost certified? Does that even matter to you? I know that term gets thrown around a lot. Oh, is it cost certified? Is it not? It's like if you have enough watches in your collection. 
where you rotate them, cost certification should mean absolutely nothing to you because that means your watch has been resting in the nightstand or in your watch box and then you have to set it every single time anyways, right? So to me, cost certification means absolutely nothing. That It holds no value in my opinion. I wouldn't, I personally wouldn't pay for it. I think it's cool when a, when a company could, could, could do that because it, it, it just shows the craftsmanship and, it, and, and it's kudos to them, you know? But how do you guys feel about, about cost that? certification? Well, I guess in general, like watches costing so much money when it's an antiquated technology and everything. Like, do you guys even agree with that? Because a G-Shock could do a way better job than a Patek Philippe 5070. I love it because it's antiquated. Correct me if I'm like, wrong. It's the same reason, you know, it's the same reason why there's an appeal to, um, to, you know, cars with manual transmissions, you know, cars with more than four cylinders. There, it's, there's no logic to it. But the charm is in Correct. it's it's cool. It's yeah. fun. It's interesting, you know. Yeah. And and like I do agree, like it is a similar sort of thing that comes with art. You know, to one person that's a bunch of paint inspired on some canvas, to another that's a Jackson Pollock, I'll pay millions for it. So like I think it I agree, it's very subjective and I think it's different things for different people. But I think down to it is that a lot of the times older things, older styles they tend to have more appeal because especially now these days with everything you know going digital everything going online there's a certain i think charm and appeal to sort of being in like the physical tangible world and sort of things mechanically working right and not only that it's just better like i compare it to like the the vinyl game records you know what i mean i'm a big yeah. collector of vinyl and there was a time when we thought vinyl was going to be wiped off the face of the earth then all of a sudden, it was like this resurgence of, like, we got to have vinyl. We got to have vinyl. Then they start pressing new vinyl of new artists. And CDs actually are falling to the background right now. You know what I'm saying? When people are actually buying more vinyl today. Same thing with watches. It's about nostalgia. You know what I mean? It's about, for me, it's about feeling a certain kind of way when you put a watch on. Or even that first watch that you ever got when you put it on. You know what I mean? So the question then is, do you think is a an age thing, right? So I know watches, so we all have YouTube channels. So we all get to see who actually gets to watch our channels. So for me personally, it's 100% males and they're all in the same age group around right. our age group, kind of. Well, Fred is a little younger, but in the 30s, and 40s kind of that's the age group so my question is yes i agree with you p it's it's a nostalgic thing that's why i think the success of everything kind of retro or neo vintage from the a's is making a huge comeback i mean look at um uh, god i forgot the name of that show on netflix with the with the Stranger kids things? what's what's the name of it i completely forgot Stranger Things, yes, thank you. Stranger Things is a massive, massive success because it's nostalgic. When I look at that, I think of the Goonies. I think of the movie E.T. I think of things that bring me back to my childhood. And I'm like, that is so cool. It's reminiscent of of my childhood. So watches are kind of a certain thing where in that era, I remember people wearing watches and Casio being super cool and different things. So my question is... it's bless you, whoever that was. Um, <laughs> um, my question is, are watches going to become, not obsolete, but kind of take a backseat in the future? Would say, for instance, 
people that are now in their teens. So in a few years, do you think these things that we're talking about are not going to be relevant? And then after that, they're going to be relevant again. Do you think it comes I, in I waves? Just I can't see the, uh, the wristwatch going away. I can't. It survived this long. <laughs> right. I can't really see it. You know? Okay. Well, I know Apple Watch obviously has helped a lot of the younger generation get used to watches and the idea of wearing something on the wrist. And that's when they start exploring different things. Uh, you know, I've, I've spoken to numerous people. One of my friends, Steve, again, the guy that I always talk about, he got interested in wrist watches because he got, I don't know if it was a Fitbit, I think, something. Um, and same thing for, uh, you know, Cat from 10 and 2. It all started with technology. They were like, hey, this is cool to track my calories. And, and it has a clock at the same time. That's cool, whatever. But they got used to the idea of wearing something on the wrist. So then it kind of morphed into, hey, well, what, what else is out there? Maybe there's something prettier than this. And right. it kind of went into that. So that's, that's kind of cool. So yeah, the way that I think about it, in, in my opinion, I don't think watches are going to go away. But maybe the way that we buy watches is right. definitely going to be different brick and mortar may not be a thing it may be like a showcase thing right where it's like they have places where you could go try on the models before you buy them online that would be a cool thing minimize the overhead maybe don't have a lot of salespeople or have a sales salesperson kind of like in a kiosk where they just have the models they have an ipad or a computer whatever you try on the model you like it you order it online it ships to your house maybe they give you some good goodies right there right a goodie bag with like a t-shirt a cap a mug whatever i think that's the way of the future but i might be completely wrong and with that let's segue into people or brands selling online such as Brightling, right fred uh and i know Brightling's a, a huge yes. brand for p yes. one of his grails and avatimer so they came out with some new releases and they are selling online right uh, correct me if i'm wrong i'm on their website it says pre-order now so i'm making the fair assumption yeah they've they been online, selling online so. for i think i want to say two years i think it was omega who started in 2017 and Brightling wasn't too far behind not 100 percent but Decently recent to it, but both of them have uh, sort of dived right in in terms of making their sales online, selling direct to consumer. And the case of Brightling, it was earlier this week they did a full-fledged release completely online via webcast. Um, mm. They had already left Basel long before uh, this coronavirus stuff happened, and earlier this year they were already releasing uh, models online. But um, but yeah, they did a full release of three new models and really, really good success. And I was actually seeing an interview with George Kern and he was saying, you know, we got the same sort of audience. We got the same sort of exposure spending 5,000 bucks on setting up this webcast and I guess doing the graphics and the filming and all that versus they got the same amount of exposure than what they would have gotten if they had spent 5 million at a show like Basel World, for example. Right. It showed you exactly. Yeah. Well, we, we yeah. knew this was going to happen. We knew this was going to happen. I mean, once, look, people, because of this coronavirus, were forced to release things online. Well, whoever wanted to, of course. And I was talking Rolex and Patek and them. But these brands were going to realize hey, just like you said, Fred, we get the same amount of exposure, spending way less money. Now we could put that, you know, $4 million or whatever it is, four point million dollars back into into the watches or into something different so i i think it's uh I and think how it's much did they smart, spend for you know what i mean cash, you said? uh he said five thousand 
Five thousand. So five thousand right. versus five yes. million. I mean, no, I'm not sure how that oh, breaks down. Crazy. He's including like what his time was worth in an hour, or if that's including you know the cost of the camera they had to buy, or I don't know what. But even then, mm. he's looking Still at five thousand, five million. Even if you have like 100% margin of error on that low end, you're still saving a fair bit, mm-hmm. and you're still successful. Yeah, yeah. And at the end of the day, no. it's it's if it got them the same exposure, why not? And the good thing is that because Brightling does sell online, they can sell direct to con- consumer. They can reap that benefit. I think maybe one thing where there's a certain amount of resistance to releasing online for. Um, for someone like for a company like Rolex, for example, is because they don't sell direct to consumer. So it's in their interest that people buy from ADs. So therefore Rolex just needs to target ADs. Yeah. I agree. Cut out the middleman, more money in your pocket. But anyways, let's talk about these releases. So I'm looking at four watches. I'm on their website. Navitimer Automatic mm-hmm. 35, which is a women's uh, Super Ocean Heritage 57 limited edition, Chronomad BO142. And Super Ocean Automatic Forty Six Black Steel. So let's let's talk about these. I think they put out more, right? I might I might be missing uh, a few. Yeah, so not they sure. Did. It was the Chronoman, the Navitimer Thirty Five for ladies, and the Super Ocean Fifty Seven. Those were the three they put out. Yeah, and then okay. the variants within those. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Sounds good. Sounds good. Okay, cool. So bro, let me start off with the Navitimer Automatic Thirty Five. I think. This is a beautiful watch. Obviously, it is a woman's watch. I am looking at the little little diamonds as the indices. And uh, I think they made different yeah, they colors, made right? Colors. Uh, it comes on yeah, the leather. White, white down. Is that green? Is that green? Or oh, here's green? a variation. Uh, you know what? So it, there's, a, there's a solid 18-karat red gold mother of pearl dial. $29,000. Then we got the Navitimer Automatic, the steel and silver, which comes like in a croc, croc um, strap. Yeah. 4300 respectable. Then my favorite is the blue dot. Yeah, that's one, nice. The blue crocodile. Yeah, uh, that's nice. Yeah, that's 43 and then Navitimer Automatic. This is a, the steel mother of pearl with the diamond, 5600 Then the last one is that salmon dial. Uh, what is it? Forty three hundred bucks. They call it the steel yeah. and copper. So I guess it's some copper in there. So honestly, looking at yes, I I don't know how you feel about this, but this is something that a guy could rock. I don't know about the diamond one or the mother of pearl, but like that blue uh, one, you throw it on a different I, strap. I would I mean, rock that. I'm sorry, I will rock that. The I guess the only thing that looks a little feminine, in my opinion, is kind of yeah. If you look at the, the vessel, on the it's kind of like these it, little yeah pearls. Like little pearls. It like they made it for women. That's it. Like mm-hmm. George Kern when he released it was pretty open about that. That it's made for women. Um, yeah, no, it does look a little feminine. Yeah, the pearls. I, not I think it's a good it, move. So. I like the fact that they made it automatic. They didn't make it quartz. You know, like there's plenty of women in this hobby who still enjoy the mechanical aspect of a watch just as much as any guy. So I think Absolutely. that's a great thing. Yeah. And also, even though it's clearly made for women, I don't think they overly feminized it. You know, mm-hmm. like no. Well, well the, look like just the Navitimer. The one they did is the, the yeah, one with like the diamonds. Didn't, but... It didn't lose its so... Navitimerness in their pursuit to appeal to women, which I think is good. I think it's important because also, I think a lot of times companies sort of just assume, okay, women will only buy something if it's 
gold and covered in diamonds. Well, right, think, right. When I imagine, and 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 twenty five millimeters, right? It's a bit more nuanced to women's decisions than that. So I think it's a good job. I think the sizing is they 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 hit the nail on the head, you know. And I, I've talked, um, not talked. I'm sorry. I've, I've heard a lot of uh, women in the industry talk about women's watches in particular. Ten and two, of course, they're our friends. And they always complain about the sizing and their diamonds and their cords. I think Breitling hit the nail on the head with this one. It looks feminine enough, but not overly feminine. And like you said, it has that automatic movement, um, you know, beats a 28,800 beats per hour, uh, power reserve is 38 hours. It is an automatic movement, self-winding. I think it's beautiful. I think Breitling is going in the right direction. They hit the nail on the head. It's not oversized, not not undersized, and it's not overly expensive. I mean, for that blue one, we said mm-hmm. forty three hundred bucks. You're you're getting a great great value. I, I in my opinion, I really like this. Yeah, one. I like I, the blue one. The blue one hot. Yeah, yeah, the blue one's nice. So next, let's talk about a polarizing one. In my opinion which would be the Super Ocean Heritage 57 limited edition with the rainbow <laughs> with the rainbow indices and hands. And, I think I, I, I think I could How do you guys feel about that? I mean, it's it's okay. It's not for me, but I'm glad they made mm-hmm. it. You it's know, for like, somebody definitely, but like I'm glad they made it though cuz you think there's so many like watch companies out there that like just have a pole up their ass. They're so stuck up. Brandon's having some fun. Yeah, Rolex. Rolex. They did it, but even then, they were like, <laughs> "All right, if we're going to do this, we'll do it in 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 like rubies and diamonds and all that." So at least we can make some money off of this this debauchery or like this like lack of seriousness. You know, like yeah. So here's... they barely charge any extra for being a special edition, and I think it's just a fun concept. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. Yeah, so. Yeah, it's 250 pieces, $5,000, you know. Basically, the original one was 1957. It was called Super Ocean. Um, it, it, they call it a laid-back surfing lifestyle mm. of the 60s, so more like a skin diver, I guess. Um, so I, I, this one obviously doesn't speak to me, the, the, the rainbow one. What about one. the non-rainbow ones? Um, but, yeah, absolutely. It that's what I was talk about. The Those are gorgeous. It doesn't look half bad on the, that blue strap. It really doesn't. Yeah, but that that dial's a little polarizing. But but here's here's the issue that I take with this, and I might be completely wrong. Maybe they are playing like homage to to their own you know heritage or whatever. But this is a diver watch, right? I mean, they call it a diver watch. Yet the bezel doesn't have any numbers on it. So what the hell am I measuring here? Like what what if, I don't am I not seeing the numbers on the bezel? Am no, no, my computer broken because I I but, don't um... see. But I think it's very clear this isn't meant to be a serious, like, crazy diver watch, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. A, right, it's a 100-meter water resistance. It's a, it's a skin diver. I get it. But nonetheless, I, it doesn't it doesn't give me the diver feel if it doesn't have the numbers on the vessel. But again, I might be completely wrong. What I do get the feels of, and I know Fernando from, uh, you know, collecting vintage watches and uh you know, in that YouTube channel, he made a reference that the bezel itself, how it's kind of caved in, reminds him of the Rado, mm-hmm. um, Captain Captain Cook. I agree, but when looking at the Breitling, the older ones, they actually 
I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they had that same vessel. And I think that's very true. It's different. I, it's definitely different for sure. And I love the, the hour hand. It has this like M kind of going through right. it, yeah. uh, through the loom. I think that's that's super cool. I, I, I like this watch. I mean, is it a little overpriced on my opinion? Well, was it $40,000, 4800 bucks. What do um, you guys think? I don't know. I'm really liking it for what it is. I mean, with these vintage reissues, I always try and measure them against what maybe getting an original mint condition one would be. And I'm assuming that would be more than five grand. And also, like, I think the person who buys this, this isn't your only watch. This is part of a collection. And I think it would make right. a great addition to a collection, you know, because if it's something that you want to wear, like, you know, when you, like, this would be a dope beach watch, in my view, because it's thin, it's light, it's got more than enough water resistance for just chilling around the beach. And it's got mm-hmm. that vibe to it. I can see the concept. I don't think it would be anyone's only watch. Probably wouldn't recommend it as anyone's first watch. But as part of the collection, I think it would fit in nicely. And, you know, pricing-wise, like, obviously, it's, it's, it doesn't have an in-house movement. So they haven't given it, like, the markup that they would for if it was an in-house. Um, and one good thing. Yeah, what does that have an edit? Nice but it's only 10 millimeters tall. Like, that's... That I like because that gives me a lot of vintage vibes. You know, a lot of older watches were a lot thinner than the big chunky ones we have today. And I like that they did that. The, they made it nice and slim. I think it's a cool watch. And I like that they integrated the mesh bracelet as well. It's not a straight bar. That's not vintage evocative, but it looks cool. So what variant do y'all like? Because I kind of like that black with the mesh strap. Yeah, black with mesh strap. Is it the mesh is a dope, dope, yeah, dope. I like the leather ones. I know it's full paw, right? Like ugh, wearing a, a diver on the leather, but I, I really like the 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 blue one. That's the one you like, right? The blue one with the leather. Who me? No, the the black yeah, one. Which one did you like? Yeah, that I one's like cool. That. I like I it, like but I, I so, somehow I like the. The yeah, that's nice. Cool. I like the. But I would get the mesh strap. I really see it. it looks cool on the strap. Yeah. And, uh, uh, I saw. I did a little quick, quick Google search. It's not. It doesn't look exactly the same. But I, I, I was able to pull something up on Chrono Twenty Four. It says Breitling Super Ocean Vintage. It looks a little different than that one. Uh, but it sold for seventy thousand dollars. So makes four thousand five thousand sound like a bargain. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no. For sure. For sure. But if it okay, so here's here's the thing. If you had uh the money, let's say somebody gave you five thousand dollars and you wanted a skin diver, would you go for this Brightening Super Ocean Heritage fifty seven or would you go for the Auras Diver sixty five? Huge price I difference. Really, I go for the long jeans. But that's <laughs> not, but, but that's not like <laughs> And especially, I think, with skin divers, I think a lot of it is down to just the look. It's, you know, it's a style. It's an aesthetic style that I think largely yeah. fixes it. All right. Well, let's talk about the Super Ocean Automatic 46, and then we'll leave the chronomat for last, because I know that's we're going to have some opinions on that one. So Super Ocean Automatic 46 Black Steel. How do you guys feel about that one? Um, yeah, it looks fine. Like, it's just another, like, it doesn't jump out to me like crazy. Um, like if I'm honest, it's another. I th- like I think it's just an extension of the collection. It's not really 
bringing much new to the table to have like a crazy opinion and I'm not insane over the Super Ocean in general. Okay. Mm. I'm trying to bring it up. Hold on. Wait, so is it, is it, is it, am I reading this right? It's a 2000 meter water resistant diver. Yeah. The Super Oceans don't mess around. So, okay. So, so 6,100 bucks. So I guess the question would be aesthetics. I prefer the other one, but spec wise, I prefer this one just because of, of what it has. It's pretty crazy. Uh, dimensions. I need to look at the dimensions. Okay, so it's 46. Ooh, that is a big boy. So thickness, 16.85 millimeters. I mean, that's a big boy right there. And when we're talking, when we're talking water resistance, we, we, we just covered this on our channels, all of us. Um, Christopher Ward, right? The 1000 GMT water resistant, that's 16 millimeters, but it only comes in at like 1900 bucks and it has a GMT function. And it's, in my opinion, I would probably go with that one instead of this one. Yeah, I mean, like with this, I think budget is too big. Like I said, I think it's just an extension of an existing collection. And the standard promotion range, I think, is one of those ones that still hasn't been really revamped. If you look like over the last few years since, uh, George Kern took over, like he's been slowly but surely revamping each model line or bringing it into today or giving it retro inflection. Whereas some of them are still stuck in, uh, still stuck in the early 2000s, and I think this is one of them. But to be fair, I was saying the same thing about the Chronomat until earlier this week. Mm. Well, let's segue into that then. Chronomat, here we go. So obviously, this is first introduced in 1984 right it was introduced as an extra thin port uh obviously they kind of changed now <laughs> um but yeah how do you, how do you guys uh feel about this so cool. i like it really like, like it the 80s design i think everyone's going into the market brightling has been doing it as well but whereas everyone starts looking to you know the 50s and the 60s obviously the 70s with the integrated bracelets with this, they went full-blown 80s, and I absolutely love it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a cool look. I I think, uh, you know, it's hard to get the integrated bracelet right, but, yeah, I think they, they're definitely Oh, it's a normal bracelet. Right, so. It's not, um, I don't think it's integrated. Like, like, it well, it's not integrated, but, yeah. Funnily enough, the bracelet is the part I'm not 100% sold on, but the concept is what I'm sold on. Like, it, and it fits it, and I think that's cool. And also, I'd like to say at least bothered making a oh, different did... looking bracelet. They could have just gone with a three link and called it a day. How much is this going for? Yeah, uh, for the regular in steel, it's eight thousand one hundred. That's mm. forty two millimeters with the in house B zero one movement, two hundred meters water resistance, fifteen point one millimeters high. So it's a decent versatile watch. Like this could be your all rounder. Could fit in almost anything. You put on a leather strap, you can wear it in some dressy thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it got a display case back. Yeah, and a display case back. Ooh. You know, something that I really like that I don't see many companies doing, this is kind of crazy. They have a date complication, but they put it in the subtitles, in the middle subtitle on the bottom, and it's black, and it, ma- it just it just matches so well. I never really seen that. that. I'm sure there's other watches with this style. The top of my head that does it like that is the uh, Takori Octavia. 
that's pretty cool. I, I, I appreciate that. It just doesn't, it doesn't take away from what it is. And I know something that, uh, that they could have done very easily is they could have put the day complication at the four o'clock and I'm glad they didn't, you know, it just keeps the yeah, design so much cleaner. I think it's a really good looking watch. And like I said before, the Chronomat line was one that I had, this, I would have had the same criticism that it's stuck in the early 2000s. It was too chunky, too blingy, too big. They were like 46 or 48 millimeters. Like it, it had no place in my view in 2020. And then they come out with this and I think they absolutely nailed it. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. It's 42 millimeters, 15 millimeters thick. So I, I think they absolutely nailed it. Brightling, in my opinion, going in the right direction. So, oh, yeah. but anyways, with that said, let's talk other things. Uh, that's that was a, that was a fun uh, little chat about watches. Other things. What do you guys I'll got? Live for it. Uh, go. Other things. What do I have? Uh, <laughs> I went. I, went, I left <laughs> the house a few days ago. That was entertaining. Um, went to go buy some groceries. That's. Uh, Full mask. Uh, and, no, I don't have a mask. So and... I was walking around. I had a bandana on and some workout gear, and but like so, I've been strategic with when I've been going out, like it's because I gotta find the time when there's the least amount of people, but make sure they still actually have stuff in the supermarket. So I've found that when it's boiling hot at two p.m., that's the best. Because mm. no one, no one's fucked to go out, but at least they still they still have stuff left. Like I tried the last time before I was going at like near midnight. There wasn't that many people there, but also they didn't have very much stuff in the store. So that sweet spot is right smack dab in the middle of the day when it's like super hot. <laughs> how, how, how hot is it? It's well, here's... Uh, I don't know. I have, I have the worst oh, yeah, concept of temperature. Like for me, temperature is just hot cold. Um <laughs> Perfect. Right, Great right. answer. Well, the I've been seeing reports. I'm, a, I'm I don't know if it's right or not, but I've been seeing reports that the government is kind of confirming what people have been talking about that the coronavirus cannot live on surfaces uh, for a long time when it's hot and humid. So what that means is hopefully once the summer hits and, and hotter temperatures come, hopefully this whole thing could start at least not going away, but, you know, not living on surfaces and not be I as high as I think if that is the case, I, I don't, I don't helps, know. But I think that a lot of people characterize it as if, as if it's some sort of, like, silver bullet that will make everything great. I think it'll just be a small factor right? that will make it that yeah. little bit easier to deal with, but I don't think it'll, like, change the right. Yeah, no, you're right. All right, cool. Pete? Um, are we still not talking about Star Wars? <laughs> Oh, you can do whatever you want, man. <laughs> I'm just giving you a hard time. Um, best episode yet came out. I don't know if you saw it or not. Man, I need to catch up on it. The best best episode today yeah. for season all, seven. All I'm going to ask is yeah. were the lightsabers involved? Like, was the lightsaber battle involved? Yes. Finally. Yes. <laughs> because I'm yes. so sick of just yes. seeing blasters and, like, yes. the odd, like, yes. pop up just to deflect the blade. Uh, just to, like, a, a blaster right. bolt. So I'm glad to hear. Right. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, my wife had an aunt that died uh, last week, and we went to the funeral yesterday. Oh, and um, sorry, it was kind of weird because it wasn't like that many people like in the church, but also 
like everyone like had on masks and you know of course because of the coronavirus and everybody was like spread out from each other um i mean it probably was about just about 25 people in the church and those were the people who were supposed to be there not like friends and extended family you see what i'm saying um yeah uh but also, like, uh, her uncle was married to her aunt. They were married for, like, 49 wow. years. But they were together Whoa. before that. And then, like, I had watched them, like, over the casket looking at her, and it kind of affected me. Like, that can easily be, like, me. You know what I mean? And I had, yes. like, instantly got kind of sad. Like, damn, in a situation like this, in times we're living in, like, we need to, like, appreciate, like, everything that we have and the people that's in our lives. Because, like, you never know. You just never know, like, you could be here today and be gone tomorrow. You know what I mean? So I got, like, real, real sad. Like, shit, that's, that's crazy. Right. Well, I might be... I might be completely wrong here, but obviously I, I believe in God and I've been, you know, uh, a believer for a long time, so... Me, in my opinion, the world just got out of control. You know, it got too out of control. And I think this is a way of, of, of kind of the, the world just kind of hitting like the reset button in a lot of different things. I mean, it's unfortunate a lot of people died and, and people are getting sick. But if anything, a lot of people are probably learning to appreciate the little things with this. You know, being quarantined, it really makes you appreciate the, the small things, going to the park for a walk or going to the grocery store without having to be paranoid and wearing masks and not wanting to be in contact with other people going to a restaurant just sitting down ordering food i mean god you know it's it, it just puts things into perspective so i don't know why this is happening but we need to we need to look at the positive not the negative you know what i mean so what are the positives you you get to spend a lot of time with your family now you know not all of us of course i know fred doesn't have his family there but you know, P, myself, other people listening, you, you've gotten to spend a lot of time with your family and just kind of just slow down for a little bit. You know, depending on whatever part of the world you are, it, it just, everything is moving a thousand miles an hour. You got this, you got that, you got. And this is just telling everybody to slow down, appreciate what you have. So, yeah, P, I, I agree yeah. with you, man. So, but, uh, other things for me, um, just hobbies, man. I mean, I my wife is kind of cool. Uh, uh, you know, we, we've had a, a piano that was given to us, like a little electric piano, whatever. Her brother gave it to her a while back ago, and it's just been sitting in the garage, like, for a long time. And she's like, you know what? I always wanted to kind of learn to play the piano. Do you mind bringing it in? Let's clean it up. Yeah, sure. So she's just been going on YouTube and learning how to play the piano. So that's kind of cool for her to pick up a hobby and, and hear her doing that. And then myself, I, I bought the camera. I didn't really spend a lot of time with it, but lately I've been spending a little more time with it, you know? So it's like watches are always going to be my hobby and the loves of my life. Right. But doing this whole camera thing is kind of bringing a new, a new, um, I don't know, res- respect for people to do it. I, I never really thought about it before, but it's so complicated, right? To have the right framing, the right eye for it, the right editing. It, it's very, very hard. So I appreciate those people that do it. And it's fun, you know, when I'm shooting something or whatever, I, I enjoy it. It's like, it's a stress reliever. And I never really saw it that way before. Before I was just like, I need to get this because I need to put it on my YouTube channel. I need to get this because I need to put it on Instagram. But now I actually enjoy 
looking through the lens and capturing the right light and everything. I'm not a professional by any stretch of the imagination, but it's cool, you know? So I don't know. That's something new for me that I, that I'm starting to kind of get into, you know? So I just hope I don't get, I hope I don't get into it enough where I'm spending a lot of money. Like I do with watches. Cause then there's going to be a problem. (laughs) Hey man, what's the saying? Um, uh, I don't know. I'm too tired. My brain fried. Never mind. <laughs> he needs to go to sleep. Yeah. yeah. But uh. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, this has been a fun episode. Yeah. I mean, uh, for everybody listening, you know, I, I hope you enjoy. I hope uh, you know that there is a lot of time goes into this, a lot of planning, a lot of editing, and 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 pushing on social media and making things grow. So we would appreciate if. If you leave us a comment on whatever platform you're listening on, maybe go on Instagram, you know, uh, give us a shout. Uh, if you do uh, give a shout to P or Fred or myself, we all share that information with each other because we all care about the listeners very much. Obviously, we, we all have um, YouTube channels and we do the podcast and we all have Instagram. So, uh, you know, you liking us, you subscribing to us, it means the world. That's basically what keeps fueling us to keep doing what we do. And I'm not trying to get too much into things cause I'm not trying to be a hater here. And I always tell people to stay humble, but you know, we've, we've noticed collectively that there is some people out there that maybe not as good as others. And some people have some success and some people are great at what they do and don't have so much success. So, you know, all we ask is we're not the best out there by any stretch of the imagination, whether it be a podcast or video, but, you know, we would appreciate more subscribers. We would appreciate more likes because, again, we do this for you guys. If if we didn't do it for you guys, then we will make every single video private. We will have these conversations behind closed doors, but we don't. We put it out because we we want people to to listen to to this and, and support us. You know, we're not charging money for this at all you know people are not paying us for this so the 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 reward for us is basically a like and a nice card yeah. right guys yeah get into it get involved fred's yeah. like fred's like nope <laughs> let me give him my paypal account and my pa- patreon <laughs> likes are just not enough for fred he wants no, money <laughs> go with plenty of views plenty of subscribers yeah yeah, that's all it's about. You know, that's all it's about. Well, the, again, we're not hating. We're not bashing anybody. We we appreciate everybody and we wish everybody success on whatever they do in life. We're just, you know, uh, just kind of letting you know how things are. But anyways, guys, where can they find you and support you and do all uh, the good Ralph's things? Ralph's Watch Love everywhere. Uh, YouTube, Facebook, um, Instagram. Check out the SoCal Watch Review podcast page on Facebook. We blowing up. We blowing yeah, up. We got the new post on the regular over there. You can see the post from myself, Miguel, and from Pete. And me, you can find me YouTube yeah. Shaluso, Instagram at Shaluso, Facebook Shaluso. You kind of got the idea. Shaluso everywhere. <coughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you can find me SoCal Watch Reviews on YouTube and Relojando for all my Spanish speakers. Uh, and then SoCal Watch Reviews on Instagram. I started a new segment on both my Spanish and English YouTube channel. Um, we basically do kind of like a recap. We, we look at a watch. We talk about it for, we try to keep it at 10 minutes. We do 
too good, too bad, an overall opinion. And that's kind of what it is. We wanted to bring that kind of fun segment to to our channel. So check it out on my English channel with, with P. And then on my Spanish one, I collab with Fred. We do it in Spanish. Basically cover the same watches. But we, we try to keep it fair for everybody be bilingual so that we were not leaving anybody um, yeah. behind, if you will. So so there you have it, guys. Stay inside. Any parting thoughts? Parting words? Uh, yeah, yeah. Don't stay inside. Stay comfortable at home. Yeah. Hug your kids. Yeah, Hug your kids. Absolutely. Hug your mother. Hug your wife. Life's too short. <laughs> yep. And wear yeah, all the watches. Sure. <laughs> well, all right, guys. Well, thank you so much for right. your time. This has been another episode of SoCal Watch Reviews. And uh, as always, yeah. stay humble.